The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. to the airing of grievances this is your star wars fan asmr podcast that's not that's not true the uh, i don't do asmr uh, but if i did it would be me just talking star wars and i am one of your hosts i am one of your uh friends your pals um let's hang out sometime <laughs> i'm johnny townsend i'm joined by matthew johnson Hello there. And Brian Finch. Absolute power. <laughs> What's up, guys? Nothing much. I, I'm great. I'm solid. I'm doing well. I got 10 hours of sleep last night for the first time in a long time. So I'm feeling wonderful. Isn't it amazing just how much like especially when you get older like just a an eight full hour sleep night is incredible <laughs> dude you most nights i sleep like five to six and uh and yesterday we were at a wedding in um uh, for one of my wife's friends whatever my wife, yeah. my wife. um and i, I don't know I, I just i was so tired because i worked yesterday morning too and uh you know we, we left probably about nine thirty and in bed by 10 and i woke up around eight o'clock so it was magical i it's been a hot minute since i've slept past six o'clock mind you yeah so that's incredible um i've gotten to the age now where about five a little after 5 a.m my body says you you have to pee now (laughs) and it's very annoying because i'd rather be like just stay in bed but you know you come to that point where do i pee myself or do i you go to the bathroom and the older i get the more of a tougher choice that is <laughs> actually the, the even older you get uh there's products that will make it easier for you to make that decision <laughs> it's even less of a choice really the older you get <laughs> yeah this sometimes you, like, as i hear as you get older you want to pee but nothing happens nothing yeah. happens yeah, uh, pee or pee not. <laughs> to pee or not to pee, that is the question. Yeah, pee or pee not, there is no pee. Uh, <laughs> make it Star Wars-y, I guess, in a way. Uh, guys, there's not a lot of Star Wars news to talk about today. Not a thing. Not a, uh, we, we don't really Nothing. have a whole lot. Um, right? Because I think we talked Andor last time. I think we're all we caught up on that. Yeah um there's it's been slow like there's been no video game announcements there's been really nothing which is nice because that means we just get to spend an entire episode talking about a movie 
Yeah, the most that I've even seen Star Wars related that's trended here lately was Ryan Johnson kind of like doubling down on his own movie <laughs> in the Star Wars canon universe. Oh, um, yeah, I read that too. Yeah. That's the only oh, thing I've seen. Yeah. Do, do, yeah. do we want to talk about that or do we want to save it before I mean, we, we finally we, do it? We can real quick and then just double back on it when we do the actual episode. But sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, what else is the guy supposed to say, right? That he's like, no, I mean, most no, people, yeah. no, no. I mean, even if it's art that I like, I'm coming, I'm looking at this from an artist aspect, right? If if there's art that I made that I'm not happy with, um, I I'm not going to tell somebody else that this is garbage, right? <laughs> I'm just not. Uh, but there's people who can admit that something that they've done is bad, like it's not up to snuff. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, listen, Mark Hamill, you know, one of the greatest human beings of all time, uh, really, you know, really smart man. He hated it. He did not like it. If you, you there, there's a little compilation clip on YouTube of him saying, uh, maybe it was more so towards his character, but he uh, just taking pot shots at the tr- at, at that movie, yeah. um, at Disney for <laughs> for it, and it's, I don't know, it's it's hard because listen, I mean, this that was the most I think, uh, <sighs> con- divisive. Star Wars movie. I don't even know. If, I, I don't even know if it's divisive because I think even people who are more positive on it, um, ha- they pretty much recognize all its faults that the people who hate it bring up because you just can't overlook those, right? Right. So, um, you know, it, even I, I'm a guy who, if it's something in a franchise that I like, I will do my best to like it. Like I will find ways to like it. And and when we get to that movie, I'll probably try to like it and then realize that, you know, really, yeah, there it's, there's much, much better star Wars stuff. Than and that's putting it lightly. So yeah. Uh, star Wars but, holiday special. Yeah. So what's that guy supposed to say? I mean, you know, like uh, he's heard uh, like even toxic stuff, right? Like people going well overboard, um, like just you know, being really ridiculous with when they talk to him about that movie, uh, it's one thing not to like a movie; it's another thing to be like, "Yeah, I'm going to kill you and your family over a movie." You know? Yeah, that's, I'm sure he's actually that's gotten. No bueno. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what's he supposed to say? Like, if uh, somebody's attacking you constantly, are you going to be like, um, and, and there's nothing he could say that would? He could have came out and said, "Yeah, you know what? I could have done better," and I think that would have a lot of people would have accepted that. Yeah. But at the same time, I still think people would have been like, uh, you know, still would have been mad at him. They would not accepted anything because he put that movie out. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, what are your thoughts on it, bud? Well, I mean, I I get the doubling down on your own product um, because it you you still want to be able to direct other movies, right? <laughs> in in fact, you would like to direct franchises at some point, right? So you don't want to yeah. admit that you even acknowledge that you messed up an entire franchise almost. Um, no, he did. He, he, no, I mean, okay. He, I started at the whole franchise, but all he, movie uh, <laughs> I mean, to the point where the movie after it, most of it spends most of its time trying to Fix make it. that movie before it not exists. And it helped. To, I mean, people were so upset by how bad it was that they tanked solo. And I get that. Like I, I, under, I understood the frustration. It, it dude, I, I, that, that was my low point for star Wars. I was like, when I seen episode eight, I was like, this is Star Wars is not made for me anymore. And I legit thought that this is the path they were going down. It messed yeah. me up. 
And what's weird is this guy can make good movies. He's made movies that I've liked before. Uh, Knives Out is really good, and he made that. Um, uh, Looper is pretty good, and he made that. There's all kinds of movies that he made that I actually really like. So I, it's just so weird that this one is, I don't know, man. <laughs> We're, I mean, that's probably going to be our longest episode. That is actually going to yeah. be the first time we actually, we actually really air our grievances uh <laughs> like i mean it's gonna be all out like i i plan on not recording that episode at home because i'm there's gonna be a lot of swear words on that episode <laughs> yeah, you don't want to you don't want to hurt prince's ears yeah or my For wife me. or my wife I, or my upstairs neighbor i don't i don't i just i can't do that i'd rather do that in a place where i feel comfortable uh swearing and bearing how bad it is i can i'm going to give you guys a full detailed like uh top secret report on how much i hate that movie i can't wait i'm very excited <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the movie that we watched for this show thank god yeah. <laughs> what did we watch fellas a new hope we did it was episode Origin- four a new originally hope called just star wars yeah the one that started it all it was. It was cool rewatching it again. But you can't uh, even find the original. Let's acknowledge that at the top. That's. Right. I think I said that last time. And I don't even know if I've ever seen the original. I, I definitely have. Uh, but it's been a so long ago. Um, it's really weird that you would think that Disney Plus, at the very least, would give you the option to see the original right. theatrical cut. Because I think that would just drive more people to them, honestly, because people want to see the original. And I'll talk about it more when we get into discussing the episode, but, you know, the the stuff they added really stands out. And maybe not for the most positive way. And I'll Job of the Hut CGI? Yeah. Jeff's kiss. <laughs> yeah, perfect, perfection. <laughs> um. Yeah, we got to, this is a, this is a really great one that, that I'm excited to, uh, uh, to be able to break down and talk about with you guys, because uh, I mean, I do after everything, after the Obi-Wan series and after I was telling Johnny, uh, after a lot of stuff that we've been has been put out lately, I have a newfound and uh, just glorious appreciation for it. I really, truly do. Um, and I can't wait to talk about it. But let's first start off, of course, as we always do, um, where we seen this movie first, where we remember seeing this movie first, our feelings the first time we've seen it. Um, Johnny, you brought us in this uh, this episode. So let's start off with you. The first Star Wars I ever saw was Return of the Jedi, and um, I can't remember how old I was, but I think that came out the year I was born in '83. So I saw that obviously even years after it had been out. But that was the first one I saw. It would we would get uh, we had cable and we would get like free previews of HBO, and they would play. And that's when my parents would tape movies off of there for me. <laughs> that they thought I might like, and that was one of them. And I absolutely <laughs> fell in love with Star Wars. Uh, so that's why, to this day, that's my favorite Star Wars movie, because it's the one that kind of kicked all that off. But right. um, that obviously led to me finding out, wait, there's two more before this one? Uh, you know, and I was already like these characters. So I was, the first time I watched Star Wars A New Hope, I remember thinking, man, this is pretty good. But, you know, the lightsaber stuff is way better than three. <laughs> but, in return of the jedi but going back and watching it now i tried to put myself in the lens of um this movie when it first came out there was really not a lot of things like it right it really sort of changed the landscape of 
of film, especially when it comes to what you can do with special effects and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there have been other movies that used special effects and did a really good job, but this was like another level, right? I mean, this was so much that it literally uh, created a special effects company just from spinning off from the movie. So, uh, but I do remember when I first saw this film, uh, first of all, being really weirded out by the uh, Luke and Leah stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah, when you see Return of the Jedi first, I guess they would kind of throw you for a loop. Yeah, because I already knew they were brother and sister, and then I watched that one, and, were, and like you know, she's kissing them every chance she gets. <laughs> kind of weird, uh, but uh, other than that, I really loved this movie when I first saw it. Um, Obi Wan Kenobi uh, instantly became a character I really liked, uh, even though like you know, just this old hermit as he was called on here. Uh, he was instantly, man. Uh, and then uh, the acting is just superb in this too, by the way. It's really good. Uh, even uh, like this is one of the first movies that, I mean, Mark Hamill had done some stuff, but it wasn't like he was a well super known actor, right? Um, so, and uh, Harrison Ford, oh my good God. When you first see Harrison Ford show up, he just is just oozing charisma on the screen. Yeah. You know, like he just really does. Uh, so, uh, this introduced me to all you know, these characters, and I just absolutely uh, am thankful. For, even even though I get so mad at Star Wars from time to time now, I am so thankful that A New Hope exists and started all of this, because uh, it's it's really been a really fun to be a fan overall. <laughs> I oh, I completely concur, Brian. What about you, buddy? Your first time, first impression, uh, seeing the original Star Wars. Yeah, I'm probably a lot like Johnny, and I actually don't have any memory of which, I mean, it it was probably Return of the Jedi, and I guarantee you it was the same fashion where we had cable, so HBO, free trial, Cinemax, whatever came across, recorded as much onto a VHS tape as possible, and then we would just watch the crap out of them. Yeah. Guaranteed in my house, my parents' house somewhere, there's a VHS tape with, like, some of the most iconic 80s movies. It's probably, like, Back to the Future and Star Wars and Indiana Jones on it. Like, <laughs> on one tape, by the way. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, unlike the, the episodes we've already discussed, uh, the prequels, I don't have a moment where it's like, that's the, I was here when I saw this movie for the first time. And that kind of sucks in a way, I get Like, I, I'm jealous of like a Matt having an experience with this with his dad, like this movie would have come out seven years before I was born. It's really not that long of a time. And it was well before the, the commonality of having a VHS player and going to blockbuster like that was yet to be a real thing. But yeah, I would have seen this. So the only way to see it is like Johnny and I saw it. So it kind of robbed us of that. You know, there's not even like a, a Netflix and chill moment. It's, <laughs> it's just you, you happen to get a free trial and you recorded as much as you could and watch as much as you could. And um, but I know I know I love the tri- the original trilogy more than really any other trilogy. And that does include Lord of the Rings, Johnny, which we'll have a, our own side podcast. About <laughs> but... <laughs> For those in the know, uh, Brian and I and, and Trevor uh, really disagree on the last uh, Lord of the Rings movie. But, 
Um, it would be a fun. Yeah, you three. So boot me out. Replace me with Trevor for <laughs> for the Lord of the Rings uh, podcast. The spinoff. It's only going to be like 10 episodes, maybe. But yeah, the airing of Legolas. <laughs> <laughs> the airing of arrows. No. <laughs> yeah, but um, there's very little to criticize about these first three movies, um, especially when you take this one in uh, and we'll get into it more. But. Man, way to way to go, George Lucas and wife. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So how about Matt's big story now? Yeah, mine's a two, it's just like a two parter. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, so I think I've told on the show before. I think it was the first episode, my first time seeing uh, this movie. I fell asleep in the movie theater when the when the C-3PO R2-D2 stuff started, when they were walking around Tatooine, I passed out. Lights out. And that's so close at the beginning. (laughs) I know. I know. My parents kept telling me, like, I was snoring. I was so hyped up. I remember, I'll never forget. We're like, okay, we're going to go. It was like one of our first big family outings. Like, not just my immediate family, but cousins, uncles, aunts. We're going to go see the re-release of Star Wars. I think it was 96 uh 97 one of those years that when they re-released it out cold right out of the gate woke up when the credits started rolling around and uh i, I was like what what happened and uh like, yeah you fell asleep I'm like shit <laughs> i was so mad so they made me start napping before we went to the movies um and of course the next time we all did that was the little mermaid so i had to stay up through that and i did not care about the little mermaid at the time um but you can be where the people are I tried really hard to fall asleep in that, but I just could not. Now I appreciate that movie. Anyways, um, so, yeah, it was always like, I don't know, it's, so, it's so weird to think that it was blah for me at any point. But um, um, but I remember, I think I seen it on TV or maybe my parents rented it. I, I think it was we were getting ready for. Uh, the announcement of Phantom Menace. And I was like, okay, this looks kind of cool. My dad, the way my dad talked about it, hyped me up. And I think he rented it and we got it. Uh, we, we we watched, I was like, okay, I'm really, really hooked. Um, I never seen, I don't, I never seen episode five or six yet. So all I had seen was, I think it was like four, one. And then eventually I got to see five and six, really weird order of seeing things. But this is like the most available thing. Like I'd ask for the other movies for like my birthdays and all I get was like a new hope. I'm like, oh, I want to see the five. I want to see the ones. But um, when I originally watched it, cool, right? It had an impression on me. Like I think a lot of people do the the, the practical effects, the all that noise, like and whatnot. But it wasn't to me that wasn't peak Star Wars when I was five or six years old. Peak Star Wars uh, for me was obi-wan and qui-gon versus darth maul athletic lightsaber battles over the top you know effects goofy characters like that's what i thought um but as i've gotten older and like i said at the kind of at the top of the show uh watching it this past weekend at work uh after obi-wan after rogue one after all the comics and all the other extra stuff i love this movie probably for the like I really love this movie for the first time, like really hold it in high regard um, for what it is. I, I really do. It's, it's such a cool, um, 
it's it's really cool, especially when you learn the behind the scenes stuff of how they made this movie and how, uh, you know, cutting edge this was and how, you know, advanced it was for its time period uh, to do what they were able to do. Like I try to picture myself being in a movie theater in 1977 and watching this because that's something a lot of people forget. Right. You, you, you look some people like to see these movies and be like, yeah. Like I did when I was a kid, eh, it could be better. But the the amazement and the and the look of surprise when you're when you're seeing this giant spaceship fly, you know, fly through that looks really really good. Um, that's all really cool to me. Uh, when I try to picture that, so uh, I I was thinking it, out of all the movies that I love, these first original three Star Wars movies, maybe the ones that I've paid for the most and gotten multiple copies in different formats of um, yeah that's saying something because i had vhs's of this i don't have those anymore but and then i had the when they came out on dvd and then when it came out on blu-ray of course i had to get those you know uh, and then it came out on blu-ray with um the uh you know the trilogy that you were brought up on matt like you had the the first six movies yeah I i had to get that uh so i've Literally two shit. Yeah, I've literally paid for a New Hope and Jedi and Empire easily four times at least. <laughs> I had a really cool. I remember the one I got for my birthday. It was like a holographic Darth Vader face for the VHS. It was all shiny. I got that one, and then for Episode Five and Six, my dad just stole it from from Block. He didn't like steal it, but he recorded it from a Blockbuster tape, both yeah. on the same both on the same VHS. But you're probably right because we had the uh, it was the the, the gold. Remember that that gold edition? It was like black and gold. The lettering and font was all in gold. Uh, that's a good point. That is a good point. I have gotten a bunch of different medias. Um, man, so cool, so cool. But yeah, absolutely a uh, absolutely adored a new hope, even more so now knowing the characters. I caught a few little things too that I was uh, we'll talk about in our summaries of it. But um, but. I guess now is a good time to start our summaries off. So, Johnny, your turn, my man. Let's uh, summarize A New Hope. And uh, looking forward to hearing what you got. Uh, I think everybody knows this movie, so it feels weird to even summarize it. Until yeah, maybe, maybe summarize your thoughts more so. More so yeah. your thoughts. All right. So it had been a bit since I'd really watched this again all the way through. Uh, really paying attention to it, not doing something else while it's on that type of thing. Uh, I I didn't even the only thing only reason I even had my phone was to take notes. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was really invested in this, and I was telling Matt before we hit record that this movie actually even made me appreciate. I mean, I it's to me it still holds up. I really loved it, but it made me even appreciate other Star Wars stuff even more. Uh, this movie did you know like rogue one's a great example it's like man this uh you know it's like oh man i was I was, was when you first see darth vader at the beginning uh, my first thought was right back to that awesome ending of rogue one where he's going through just destroying people yeah <laughs> and i'm like that's what he just did before he came through that door that's you know just added so much more to it and the second and this and this watch through i also uh, wanted to pay attention to uh, maybe some side characters that I didn't give enough attention to, you know, um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, bad guys who die on at the death star at the end uh, yeah. that are like high level characters in fandom now. Right. 
uh, and some amazing actors. I mean, you had two high profile actors who technically die there, you know, uh, Obi-Wan and, um, uh, oh God, who's the, other? who's Tarkin. the, oh God, oh, what Peter, the heck is it? Peter Cushing, is that his name? Yes. Peter Cushing. Yeah. Who are incredible actors and, uh, this is the only movie of Star Wars they're in. So that's kind of wild to think about, <laughs> really. Uh, but there's other little things, too, that really stood out to me. Of course, again, just so everybody knows, uh, I just streamed it on Disney Plus, and it's the newest, probably the newer edition that's come out. So it's not the theatrical cut at all. It's the one with all the added stuff in it. And like I spent attention to little things like the Obi-Wan Darth Vader fight where Obi-Wan, you know, kind of just looks over and he quote unquote dies, but he just sort of disappears in his clothes. And I remember, <laughs> and then I like, I laughed a little bit when Darth Vader's kind of putting his foot on the you road. Step it on him. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, but yeah. Um, do you want us to go ahead and get through our notes on this? Thing? Yes. Yeah. This is the section okay. for it. Yep. All right. Let me bring up my notes. I don't have very many because I just love this movie and I mainly just watched it. Oh, yeah. Speak all the positives, man. This is your chance. Yeah. Uh, if they had shot that pod at the very beginning that the droids were on, uh, Star Wars would have been a very short franchise. <laughs> oh, if they actually attacked it. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think there's a joke. It might have been on one of the family guys where um, like, uh, you know, the guy because there's a scene where they literally say, hey, there's an escape pod. Should I shoot it? Nah, nah, don't waste it. And then the joke was like, what, are we paying by the laser here? You know? <laughs> we could have just easily blew that thing up. <laughs> so it is pretty funny. I know why it had to happen, because it literally sets everything into motion. But, you know, really, in retrospect, they, they more than likely should have just blew it up. Yeah, the Empire, uh, they do that quite a bit. They do that silly yeah. stuff. Uh, so of course that's my first note these are really uh, great notes uh, my second note is um i know that moss eisley is like for villainy and the scum and stuff but it just seemed really weird that satan was there <laughs> yeah that devil dude well he's got an actual name he does have a name but he's by far my favorite in in the because he just seems like there's just all these awesome aliens and then satan's just sitting there playing poker <laughs> they have kept that species in canon it does they show up in rebels i know cardu saima malik cardu malik oh yeah, yeah of course rolls off the tongue is this uh, via wikipedia yes <laughs> Shout out Wikipedia! And shout out to Wikipedia. It's a cool looking. I mean, he's a cool looking creature, man. That cantina yeah. scene is actually super underrated. I think. Oh, it is because there's just so much fun in there, right? Uh, I think that's the, you really see the vastness of Star Wars, right? Yeah. I think at the time, like Star Trek, you might get like humanoids and other stuff, but you go in that in that cantina scene, not to cut off on, on your thoughts or anything. But no, you're right. Though. You go to that yeah. cantina scene and you see all these different types of aliens yeah we're they're it's not so all imaginative humanoid. yeah correct they got the, the 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 oh god what is his name uh oh he was they referenced him in et he was one of the toys oh i can't remember snaggletooth and oh yeah, yeah yeah you know like all those characters were in the cantina um I mean, there's ones with like crazy shaped heads and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it just, uh, Star Wars, this one really does a good job of, especially if you can put your mindset into 1977 when this came out, where there really wasn't that much like this. 
where like just these wild creatures and and droids and robots it's just all just seem so weird and i think the best decision that lucas made was he didn't make any of this stuff really shiny he made it seem like it was lived in and it was dark really, and gritty yep yeah and it really added to it uh but yeah overall I really love that i mean no, there's a reason the cantina is so iconic but i just love that satan just hanging out there um <laughs> the other, here's my one question i do have uh stormtroopers right let's talk about stormtroopers for a second <laughs> when you first hear about stormtroopers they are deadly um you know they have precise as obi-wan said this was obviously stormtroopers they had very precise shots and stuff like that uh, but they never can seem to hit any of the main characters they're shooting at. So it's pretty wild. And also, the one thing I really noticed in this, I don't know why I never paid attention to this before, but um, what's the point of the, the Stormtrooper armor? Because it, it doesn't seem to save them from blasters or anything like that. This is a very important, I think this is a very important discussion topic. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. The armor don't... looks It looks cool. The armor looks awesome, but... You know, plenty of them are getting shot right in that chest plate and stuff, and they seem to just fall back and die just like getting shot without it. So I, I don't know what it was I think for. the only character to be shot by a stormtrooper was Leia in episode six, which he got shot in the shoulder. Yeah. And they were trying to hot hotwire the uh the 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 base on Endor. Yeah. I think she might have been the only one. And that takes precision. Oh yeah. A shoulder shot? That's not easy to do. But, yeah, for that sure. Armor is trash, man. Fair, we are quote unquote assuming they're dead. We don't, we're not, we have not, no confirmation. There's no death certificate. They're just on the ground. <laughs> well, the only ones we know for are dead for sure, are the ones that were in that Death Star, because there's no way you're alive after that. Right? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> or if any have been stationed on Alderaan for whatever reason. I know. They do. They're just, yeah, they're kind of boring. Yeah. Right? Like, is, it's just they all look plain cool. white armor. They look cool. You and know. the the other versions of them really stand out, you know. When there's other like you know the the ones that go with Darth Vader at the end, those look cool. The ones that have the the Sand Troopers look a little different, so they are interesting in that manner. But uh, and the main armor I think does look cool, but I just seem but it just seems like it serves no purpose because they get hurt or killed just as easily <laughs> with or without it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They're probably dead. I don't know why I'm being. <laughs> They're so they were, dead, bro. They were my. Uh, they they've been. Like in the video games are a lot better valued, I think. Yeah. Movies are just they're just the lowest of the low. <laughs> I'll never forget one time I got a coloring book. It was a it was a stormtrooper coloring book. <laughs> or it was a Star Wars coloring book, but it, it had the stormtrooper like a page with like the stormtroopers to color. I'm like, what yeah, what do I do with this? <laughs> I really I really do on this show want to one time cover the family guy versions of these. I'm fine really that. Because they're really funny, but I still remember. I think it, it, there was a joke where it was there were what you're seeing stormtroopers training and they were trying to hit the broadson of a barn and they couldn't do it. <laughs> 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 it's just so funny. Um, all right, uh, I want to come back to this one though at the end here because it's one I really want to talk about, but sure. Um, let's go to the end of the movie where they're the space battle that's a lot of fun. But why did they have to call the fat guy Porkins? <laughs> <laughs> you know, as a as a fat man myself, that was really offensive. <laughs> like just just call him like yeah, you know, Dan or Phil or, or or 
you know, Smith wants to gonna be Porkins. I love, dude. Oh my god, Porkins is the he's my one of my favorite, most underrated characters in Star Wars love, history. Yeah, I absolutely love. Porkins. I got a. Do you ever see somebody made a YouTube video? It was like a. It was. It, it was kind of a fun portrayal or just a funny, just picking on him, but. They had some guy dress up as Porkins and look like Porkins, and he actually he survived the crash and he was jumping on the de- the Death Star like, "Hey, come save me!" And then the the whole Death Star blew up. I love I love Jack Porkins. He's so good. But I I thought there was like this like Star Wars had this like stigma thing about like having fat pilots like morbidly obese pilot guy because Episode One had a dude in the Naboo the Naboo Starfighter and he blew up instantaneously. Yeah. At least they get to fly the jets in real life. Us, <laughs> us guys are too fat to get in jets. Yeah. I don't even think I can fit in one, oh. honestly. Not comfortably, anyway. <laughs> so uh, what what I'm gathering from this is, uh, obviously, you guys have seen Stanley, uh, Family Guy. Um, yeah. So George Lucas is like uh, Lois's brother that hates fat people or that kills fat people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like it, yeah. <laughs> Literally everything with maybe more than twenty percent body fat got killed in those movies. So a hundred percent, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. If you had any sort of uh, chunkiness towards you, you're not getting out of that original trilogy. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, poor Porkins. Yeah. Poor Porkins, man. That's that man. If we ever do a uh, like a in. Uh, we should do like an episode where we just talk about all the Star Wars characters that died, but just spend the majority of it on Porkins because <laughs> he deserves it. <laughs> Love you, Porkins. Or like, do, do like yeah, do like a fan a fan movie or something yeah. like that of Porkins. <laughs> That's the comic series I want. Just an in depth biography of Porkins. <laughs> I want to know everything about this man. <laughs> He's my hero. <laughs> Uh, all right and the one thing i really wanted to talk about is the special effects on this uh this if you want an example of why overall obviously you can't do it in every movie but overall why practical effects are just a better idea than cgi uh this movie with the cgi added parts in it would be a prime example of that to me because at the time because i got the versions when they first came out that had these added scenes and that was a major selling point of those right. uh, and they looked fine i don't remember ever having an issue with them then but um you know there's a reason why video games and such don't always age well when it comes to graphically and how they look and that's because as we get better technology uh, the older stuff just might not look as good when it when it's done on a computer, and the CG stuff really stands out in this. It's not bad, it's not awful. I've definitely seen worse, but when you compare like the Jabba the Hutt scene, uh, you know, to like any of the the Death Star fight stuff, like it's just night and day of how much better the practical effects look to me than the CG stuff does. Jabba the Hutt looks like a PS one character. Yeah. And uh, yeah, do you remember movie. that there was like a PS1 Star Wars fighting game? Uh, where Master of, Masters of Terrace Kasai, yes, yes, he looked like he belonged there. <laughs> <laughs> Just plug him in the background, 
Yeah, that was interesting. I, I don't know if that was original. I'm actually surprised they haven't tried to redo that because they could. They could do a really good job. If they just try to, well, they probably get yelled at, but if they just try to like redo that, I don't think there'd be any issues. Like, yeah, it, the voice carries over. You just got to change, you know, just change the 3D. Mo- I don't know. Yeah, it, I think they could do a much better job today. Obviously, we have much better computers and technology to do that stuff. Yeah. But, you know, I've always, and I think Star Wars is the reason why the, this original trilogy, I've always valued practical effects and just find them way more fascinating i i know the computer stuff is not easy work and it's hard to do and there's a lot of talented people who do it and i do very much appreciate those spectacles that are made from cgi stuff but i just have a deep appreciation for these practical effects for sure i do too man i feel like it's a challenge to work with cgi sometimes like if i was an actor and you're trying to work or like imagine a scenario or, a, or an environment. I feel like it's a challenge. I don't know. I don't think there's any, I mean, there's, it's a certain level of difficulty. I just, I'd be more, I know me, if I was an actor, I'd probably be more excited seeing like some of the, like the, the environment, like actually seeing it. You know what I'm saying? Like they, like the hallways of the death star, that's all like, that's all set building yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um but like the, the, you're right, the ships, uh, the different, the variety, various ships that they did. It's uh, go check it out. It's on Disney Plus, listeners. If you haven't seen it yet, I think it's called like a light, light and illuminations or something like that. It's oh, literally yeah. a whole mini documentary of how they created this, the original Star Wars practical effects, and it's it's so well detailed. It's so it's 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 amazing. It it makes like cinematography. It, it for me, I never like it's an art but I didn't really understand the art of cinematography until I watched that because of all the different cool little things that they, they put together. I mean, if you think about it, they're shooting miniatures, right? They're just taking video of miniatures that are incredibly well detailed and done very well, but that's what they're doing. They're just running a camera really like, and just lighting it right. Uh, and just the care that went into that is just really incredible. Yeah, and I've seen what you're talking about. Uh, those little, there's all kinds of documentaries on the making of A New Hope, and I have, and I've loved every one of them. But it's just really fascinating to watch these people create these sets and these miniatures, and just how cool they look. Man, it, this is probably the, also the same movie that really got me into wanting, you know, uh, toys that resembled what I'm seeing on screen. Oh, for sure. I mean, I mean, look at the, some of the toys that came from, right? Didn't they release a giant Millennium Falcon like 10 years ago? Or actually back oh, yeah. in the original uh, era. You know, you could probably, if you tried hard enough, you probably could make a film <laughs> with that exact toy, right? Um, yeah. We've seen giant Death Star, or giant, well, like in the Lego fashion, I guess we have. But we've seen a lot of different places. We've well, seen a, a Lego Alderaan, which was just like a bunch of just bricks screwed <laughs> <out>. <laughs> true true we have <laughs> too soon too soon <laughs> but brian brian what do you think about the practical versus cgi here well i do i know exactly the documentary um kind of thing that you're talking about Matt. it came in the box uh set that my brother got on vhs of the re-release when they added in the extra explosions and whatnot yeah so I remember watching it, and it, I'm pretty sure it's the exact same one. It is cool. It's it's um, 
it's actually they they were actually early on kind of CGI because they were using the blue backgrounds for some of the stuff that they were shooting. Like if you remember um, the trench scene, you know, at the end of Luke. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, all all that, like watching them, how they film that's like so amazing. The, most of the stuff that they get credit for is uh, it's just the, the dedication to the details and such these models that it made it made it feel real like these the tiny little details in the trench and on the death star itself is like that's what sold it that's what made that practical effect stand out and then bringing in frank oz and you know later on like the, the that whole scene you know really brings the the idea of being able to bring characters to life um from a completely non um practical way because it's think about it, like muppets you know what i mean we're gonna plop muppets into a movie and it works <laughs> it doesn't just work it's like it, i know johnny's opinion he hates the different versions of of yoda except for that one right because that one feels real it doesn't feel like it's a of a, a made-up thing so um yeah as far as like building the characters and all the ones you meet in the can uh, cantina and stuff like phenomenal job with the makeup work and all the masks and whatnot. Yeah, I mean this, the special effects, if they were really cheesy at the time, would have really you know uh, stood out in a negative way. Oh, for sure. Because one of the main things that sold this movie and really made it a phenomenon was this was just stuff I was you just say they seen before. They would have they would have aged terribly. Where now you you, you yeah. watch it like get, a lot of the aliens now uh, like like what Brian was saying a bit. A lot of the aliens now they're they're all C, they're all CGI. And we see how quickly that CGI becomes dated, right? Um, not that it's Star Wars, but when King Kong came out in 2005, that uh, Peter Jackson King Kong, I was like, "Wow, the CGI of this is great." Three years later, it looked like it looked like trash. It looked. Yeah, it looked- I, I mean, we were just talking Lord of the Rings, and I adore those Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings films. I really truly love them, but there are definitely scenes that are obviously CGI that did not age well. Yeah, I'm thinking specifically when Legolas jumps on a cave troll, and that yeah. looks like garbage now. <laughs> it looks so bad now. And it doesn't it, look good now. Like yeah. there's, I mean, there's some things where unfortunately you have to go the CGI route, but now it's it's a lot. It's leaned on uh, a lot more heavily. Where back then it was probably far. It was probably far cheaper to just be practical. Mm. Um, it, you know that that's that's the kind of that. But I mean, yeah, it's it it all that stuff looks so great. It was challenging, but it just it looks so great and it holds over um you know like we said it's why it holds up as well as it does 50 years later now um just about 50 years later i think uh you know did from from a lot of other a lot of other film properties cuz that's how just creative and and well designed it was yeah it's also it's a huge leap for them to bring a sci-fi movie um and and try and make a big cinema feature out of it when they kind of missed the window on the space thing like the space genre yeah. was huge in the 60s and in early 70s and then it died off um yeah. you went years in that decade where there's you know sci-fi and space exploration was no longer cool i mean you literally you have some of the corniest things on tv like the this the I mean sorry Johnny but the, the Star Trek original series you know it's very kind of hokey a lot of times in the special effects and um, practical effects um, 
And then the, um trying to think of like another one. What's Flash one? Gordon was tennis, right? That's a little vintage. Yeah. yeah. So well, I mean then, those things kind of influenced this. Absolutely. The fairness, yeah. Well, hundred percent. Um, but then you know, it, in the way that I always thought that like people looked at it like complete nerd. And like Star Wars is still for nerds, but I don't know, man. They added a coolness factor. Like Han Solo's not your normal goofy nerdy sci-fi hero like a lot of times or even just an over-the-top super powerful guy like a flash gordon or something um yeah i think i think george lucas got pretty lucky in a lot of ways and uh and in other ways i think it was just he understood that he could have a story that takes place in a sci-fi setting but if you take just the story out like it's more than just a sci-fi story it's not just about ships and lasers and stuff like that right right yeah there's a lot more to that the ships and lasers just uh um it was not the main focus it was never treated as the main focus right i i I wanted to look up real quick though was um so i was thinking like the sci-fi genre and where it was going to go in 77 two years later aliens comes out is star wars flops Hmm. does aliens become a smash hit it's intriguing I don't. I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, you know, there's been plenty of movies that were so big when they came out that they really helped their own genre, and obviously Star Wars would most certainly be one of those. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I was also looking into. Um, I was trying to. I couldn't remember, but I looked it up now. Jaws came out in 1975, right? Yeah. And that was and that's considered the first blockbuster movie, and that's only two years before Star Wars. But for two years, Jaws like destroyed anything. Like, right, people would line around a block and watch that thing multiple times. And the special effects, which are all practical, and honestly, if you're not looking to the history of Jaws, like that making of that original movie, do it. It is fascinating. <laughs> all the stuff they went through to make that movie, yeah. Uh, and uh, it's and it still holds up despite the fact that that shark doesn't always look so great. <laughs> uh, but that movie is still awesome. I still love Jaws. But the point is. Uh, you know, Star Wars came out when it came out. It was such a different thing than what people were used to that it even blew Jaws out of the water. Right? It became it topped Jaws, which nobody thought that could even happen at the time because Jaws was such a huge thing. But just two years later, uh, you know, Spielberg's own buddy would would top him, be <laughs> so the one to break pretty, him. Yeah, yeah, that's which is impressive. Really, uh, man, just so incredible. Yeah, because Spielberg was was top of the line i think what spielberg was spielberg at that time but george lucas was not george lucas at that time if you know what i'm saying as far as magnitude you know all the all that lucas I mean, had at only, that time yeah. was american graffiti right and that, and that was wasn't nece- and that wasn't necessarily a big hit yeah uh yeah and you know spielberg that was spielberg's first big movie was jaws and uh like a lot of people on the own set there were like they're like this guy's not gonna make it <laughs> Right. and of course he became one of the biggest ones ever and you know lucas only had like one movie and to, you know and the fact that they they the studio had so little trust in star wars that they just practically gave lucas the rights to all the merchandise <laughs> and that's yeah. how little faith they had in this thing they're like this isn't going to do anything and look look what happened right yeah isn't yeah the whole backstory to it is absolutely amazing yeah, there's a lot of great documentaries on A New Hope. I highly recommend. Uh, but that's basically all I have for notes. Okay. Um, Brian, you want to go next? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, I when thinking about what notes I'd like to bring to attention of this movie, 
I kept going back to how I felt cheated in a lot of ways that so quickly something that I watched and enjoyed as a child within a 10 year time span, it's director flipped his wig and all of a sudden it was like, it's not good enough. This was the explosions weren't big enough. There weren't enough alien weirdo creatures. There was enough. And so he just, before I know it, he just takes something that I thought was perfect and he just starts messing with it. So it quickly reminds me of the South Park episode where there, <laughs> Indiana Jones is coming, yeah. Indiana Jones is coming out. Yeah. And I was like, what did you, what did you do? You ruined a perfect movie. You, the scene with Greedo obviously has to be brought up. The The line is solo shot, period. There's no Han shot first. There's no, he shot. Why? Because he's an anti-hero. He's le- he learns how to be the real hero. You know what I mean? Being the good guy. It's not where he came from. You know, in a lot of ways, when I watched the solo movie, I, I thought that same line. I'm like, okay, he's not enough on the edge. Like he already, then they decided like, we're going to soften Solo. It's like, no. Han, Han I knew Han, that was, was going to be a big issue when they did Solo. Drugs, guys. Yeah. <laughs> when he talks about dumping spice, it's drugs. He was smuggling, like, heroin. You know what I mean? He's not a good guy, and, and that needs to be established, or else his redemption, his growth, isn't nearly as good. And stuff like that bothers me big time. Yeah, I agree with that, too, you know. Because even in just A New Hope, if that was the only Star Wars movie, he kind of redeems himself at the end of it, right? When he comes back and saves Luke, and that leads to Luke being able to shoot yep. and blow up the Death Star. That's moment. The reason that moment works as a redemption is because all through the movie, when you first meet Han, he's obviously always out for himself. Yeah, that's that's the way he's portrayed at the beginning, especially. And I'm with you. That makes the redemption mean more when there's an actual redemption there and this whole wanting to soften and he's not the only character that people going back to try to retcon like that uh, where you want to soften a character up and uh you know and try and i just don't like just don't uh i i'm thinking really hugely of when these directors go back and change these perfect movies you know it was a huge deal in et when Spielberg went back and changed the guns to like walkie talkies, oh. like that's why that doesn't matter. <laughs> like it's just that's not needed. And they did a and Lucas. I mean, Lucas, did we really need a, just a shot of of sand troopers on these weird creatures? Like, did you really even need to put those in there? No, that that was not needed. That was yeah. The, them going into Moss Eisley was un like. I get it, but I thought it was also just unnecessary. All the extensive goofy stuff that they added, all the CGI and stuff. I was like, this, it, it just, it just looked weird. Yeah. It just looked That's weird. Little, yeah. Cause it's the technology wasn't to the point where they'd be able to blend it. Like maybe if they would try and do it now, you know, the way they're able to take some of the characters and they rejuvenate them, make them look younger or whatever. Maybe now you could blend it better, but it's such a, you're you're watching the original cut, original cut. Oh, look, CGI, bam, in your face. And it's like, what? This is unnecessary. Um, you obviously brought up the Jabba the Hutt scene, which is hilarious if you go back and watch that they had it shot and they didn't know exactly how they were going to pull it off. Right. Which is interesting that they would go with such a fixed budget and such an undetermined future for a movie that you would spend who knows how long setting up that scene and whatnot and someone writing it out 
and you literally had no clue how you were going to pull it off. Until one day, so here comes CGI. We'll just slap this this slug creature in here, and it'll work. Oh, but what about when he steps over his tail? No, 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 no. He steps on his tail, sir. Oh, that'll not work. <laughs> like it's, It was so obviously unnecessary. It doesn't add to the scene. Uh, I think it's so weird. With that scene, it's like, I think it it would it seeing it helps set up episode six really nicely. It makes stuff make yeah, sense. But, but do we really need to see Jabba the Hutt moving around? No, no, they could have. I, I'd went dec- went decades without even seeing that. And I was just fine with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You think about even even just in the um last season uh, in um the Boba Fett series, they're carrying those slug creatures on giant platforms. You know what I mean? They don't move. Yeah, never assumed that these things are highly mobile. They might not have had a budget at that time. To, oh, it's it's hard to say with Java. I don't know. It's 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 tricky because Jabba's like I feel like a very complicated creature to, to to make for practical effects and probably special effects at that too. It's it's it weird. Amazing in practical effects form. Like oh, in episode six, like yeah, believable real creature, and then CGI a little less so. Um, but also the back to the Greedo point. Can't believe I didn't say this just in the get go. Not only the choice of doing it was bad, the execution was horrendous. If you remember the original, original re-edit where they add that scene in, they literally like pick up Solo, they pick him up and they move him over, and move him back. It's, it's like you don't think we're all gonna pick up on how awkward and janky this is? <laughs> they carried on. They carried on. Um, I don't know if anything else really got touch too much going forward in the movie as far as weird decisions cgi wise i know the end move and when the death star is blown up they did choose to make it bigger with some cgi which that was fine that it could have been bigger fun. still i think i think it still could have been bigger but <laughs> that's what she said <laughs> i do i watched it. i was like this is all right like it's just a, it's like i don't know I felt like it could have been a lot more massive, but it is space and there's some science to it. And maybe that's what it was, but I don't know. It's like this massive battle station. It was just like, and that was it. When in space, no one can hear pork and scream. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to see a a redone version of pork and shit blowing up where it's like in episode three where Porkins is floating in the air. (laughs) What if we discover pork rinds? Pork, pork rinds are just pulling out of a soup. <laughs> and Cheetos <laughs> and just uh, sodas and stuff just floating all over the place. And that's when we discover that he had to force all along. <laughs> and then he I love that yell, man. I, I love the yell that he does right before he blows up. I'm fine, I'm, ah! And it's, it's, oh, it's so, like it's. <laughs> It's right where he the- accidentally pulls the sparkler switch in, in, <laughs> in his cockpit and all the sparklers go off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in, my, in, in my brand new uh, Porkins led story on Star Wars, a Porkins a Star Wars story that I'm currently writing uh, in this script, uh, we're going to learn how just how force sensitive he is. <laughs> Speaking of that. Wolverine, bring me a pizza now. (laughs) (laughs) The only canon issue I have is Anakin Skywalker's daughter is standing directly next to him. Yes, I'm glad you're I'm glad you're saying this. There is not a even a a tiny little ounce 
of of knowing and okay she is she's not tapped into her force abilities so therefore she's not more force sensitive therefore she's not as noticeable through the force right that's what happens with luke obviously that's what's happening with obi-wan on the ship i sense a presence i've never i haven't sensed in or since and then he wanders off which once again people tried bringing it up like so you'll be well you ruining canon i'm like he doesn't finish the sentence no they they yeah could have been that part's fine i was gonna chat about that too i think that part's fine that held up but the vader leia stuff is always interesting um you know it, that they were I, that close I, yeah. to sense it. I I 100% agree, but also the line that really stood out to me, and this is maybe me just completely looking too far into things, is when when you know they're like we're going to kill her. She you what do they, they don't actually say kill her. What do they what terminate her? Terminate her. Yeah. Um, like he like when uh, Darth Vader says we may have reason to keep her alive or something like that. He seemed like he was, even though it's hard to tell. I, I felt a little bit of uh, relief in that when he was right. saying that. Like he was quick to point that out. Like, hey, she's still of use to us. Right. I almost thought that he knew that he was using her as bait. Like I could get someone to try and come rescue her. Oh, I'm sure that's a big part of it too. Yeah. Well, I think. Uh, well, see, I think he said that after they discovered Obi Wan was on the ship. I think. Yeah, it is after Obi. It is after. So, which is something that Vader wanted to lure out. That was. Yeah, that was intriguing. I'm sure if somebody really wanted to break it down, they'd write a comic book about it if they just looked in between the lines a bit. But yeah, that is a good point. But it is weird, like Brian was saying, though, that Darth Vader is like he's so force sensitive. He's one of the strongest with the force that there ever was. And he can't tell that it's his daughter that he's literally standing face to face to. Maybe I don't know. Maybe, maybe he had no reason to suspect it. Maybe, oh, he might have, but maybe he had no reason to suspect it because she was an Organa. She yeah. was labeled as an Organa, so it's an afterthought. But hey, this kid, this this kid who blew up the Death Star's name is Luke uh, is Skywalker. Oh, that that you know what I mean? He and he did, and he did seem to always make a point that she seemed pretty strong, like when. She quote unquote told them where the rebel base was, but she didn't tell them where the rebel base was. Right. You know, he was the one to point out that I knew she would never give it up that easily. That type of thing. That was fun. That was fun. Uh, Brian, anything else, bud? Uh, No. I mean, the Trent scene will go down as one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Wars. I got the chills watching that yesterday. Oh, good. When he, when Obi-Wan starts talking to him and the force theme starts getting slow and he turns off his computer. And then when Han Solo shows up, I was like, oh, I got so pumped up. It was awesome. I was in the factory like by myself. Like there wasn't a single person in the plant yesterday. And I was like, yeah, I was just screaming. I had a Bluetooth speaker on. It was all like surround sound. I was so hyped up for that. For, that, that, that like I'd never seen it before. That Han Solo running in to, to save, it was on par for me to win like a really hot baby face in wrestling would come in and save somebody who was getting yeah. beat up. It was that good. Like it really pumped me up. You know, it was like when, uh, you know, I was a, I was at the right age for Goldberg to be a big deal to me. So when he would come in and save somebody who's getting teamed up on by the NWO, I'd always cheer. <laughs> like this, this Han Solo is the same thing to me. Like he comes in and he, uh, you know, and he really redeems himself and he proves to be a hero himself. I, but one thing I was going to point out too, Brian, um, at the very end, when they're giving everybody the medals, why Chewie doesn't deserve a medal? Give no. the dude a medal. <laughs> well, maybe, 
the, the, the thing that would have been fun is, is if the medals had pins on them, and the, so they were pinning it and pinning it, and then they literally stick it into Chewbacca. And he <laughs> you know, if they had any real you know, com- comedic timing, that's what they would have gone. <laughs> uh, my, by far, the last thing I'll say, by far my favorite line uttered by a non-important character Stay on target. <laughs> I say it all the time. It's one of my favorite things to say to someone. Stay on target. Stay on target. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. That was fun. Uh, but all right. I guess this is my turn. Um, I, we all know the story. The, the story is pretty obvious. No matter how many times it's been revised or t- any time things have been added in. Um, I will say this, that watching it, again, post-Obi-Wan has helped a, a I mean, it helped me pick up on a lot of things. Uh, I, I There was a fun comparison. I noticed it when Uncle Owen and Luke were droid shopping with the Jawas, how were, they were talking to the droids like they were shit. And then I remember the scene with Leia talking about how she respects droids and stuff. I don't know why I picked up on that, but it just, it stood out to me this time around. And, and almost just like, all right, shut up, come with me <laughs> to see 3PO. And and Luke, like, it just seemed like bothered by him. And Leia's like, ah, oh, you treat droids, you know, treat droids with all respect. Um, in this movie too, Leia felt more like, uh, noticing retrospectively, Leia felt so much like, Padme like I I really noticed a lot of comparisons and I'm sure I've seen that before you know I I could have picked up on that before but the the line that Obi-Wan told Leia at the end of his show about you know passionate you know all all the other things the traits of Padme I, I I really like picked up on that here I'm like man she's got she's sassy she takes control of a situation I'm like that connection is actually a lot better than I remember noticing it. Um, so there's that too. I also, I, you know, a lot of people, it's easy to consider the prequel trilogy um, unneeded retrospectively. Uh, but I like, if I'm watching this in 1977, I feel like Obi-Wan's kind of like a nothing character who pops up from time to time. Um, and actually a lot of people kind of hate it. Uh, to it, not like hated, but like, wow, he lied to Luke about all this stuff and, uh, and these people. And then you go and watch the prequel trilogy in the Obi-Wan show and you, you understand why he had to do it. And he's not really lying per se. No, it's from a certain point of view. And, yeah. and the certain point of view conversation, I know that that phrasing takes place in Return of the Jedi, but the original conversation between Obi-Wan and Luke, it's like the Obi-Wan show helps that situation out right and, and i will say the prequels too um they really made me appreciate when obi-wan in a new hope is talking about anakin right he's talking about man he was my friend he was my brother and he was star pilot singing, in the galaxy yeah, yeah yep. singing his praises that really made that that line of dialogue stand out even more yeah because i mean uh, again referencing their final that that the, their final fight in the obi-wan show um you know, then my when you know the, the whole Anakin's gone and I'm what remains, and you know, it, when Obi Wan acknowledges that my friend truly is dead, he he identified them as two separate people, Obi Wan did, and that helped again shape that point of view conversation with Luke. Which I don't know what their long term plans were with at the time of filming it, but you do notice that Alec Guinness, Obi Wan, he has an awkward reaction when 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 Luke asks about how his father died. 
Um, but it all like it, it connects so it, it connects so well. It it when you first watch it, you you're just stuck on the prequel trilogy and you're listening, you're watching it like, ah, it's kind of a crap explanation. But when you see the intricate detail that Obi-Wan had in protecting the children and that, that they had that him and Anakin had another encounter 10 years, uh, 10 years prior from a new hope, it, it all layers in well, but yeah, like it, I really appreciate Obi-Wan more in, 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 in what he meant to the overall story, uh, you know, after watching his show, just because I see where he, where he came from and just how optimistic he was. Now he was still doing adventures and, and it made me, you know, you, you and McGregor, I know that they didn't get the look down the age look down, but his voice started sounding a little bit more like, like older Alec Guinness um, towards the end of the show. Uh, I thought they got that part down pretty well, but I, I did. I appreciated Obi Wan and his 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 life um, a lot more. If you like I said, if you just see it back then, it's like ah, this wizard guy. He sets up Luke on this adventure, and he pops up from time to time. But but now you have a whole backstory. You actually care. You you identify with this character, and um, it, it makes everything about Obi Wan that much better. Uh, you know, uh, Owen and Amperu. Really cool after watching the 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 Disney Plus show. Uh, you know, some of the discussions that they had, they were they, they knew everything, right? Yeah, I'm he got too not... much of his father in him, and that's yeah. what I'm afraid of. He knew. He knew. I'm really glad you brought them up because I meant to say that during my part. Um, you know, a lot of people joke that Luke just quickly wrote them off and <laughs> went away. But if you really watch it, he doesn't. I mean, he he quickly, as soon as he realizes they're in trouble, he quickly, despite being told he shouldn't do it, yeah, runs off back to there and into what could most certainly be danger. And when he sees their uh, their charred remains, which is <laughs> incredibly graphic, really, uh, if you think about it, uh, he's obviously shaken by it, yeah, and and angry. Uh, he has all those emotions on his face, so. Uh, that really stood out to me way more this time as well. Yeah. I mean, I actually, uh, again, I cared more about Owen and Baru and I actually thought they did a pretty good job of making um, Joel Edgerton. And uh, I forget the part of me, the actress who played uh, Aunt Baru. I thought they did a really good job of making them look uh, similar to, to the original actors, but I, I cared so much more. And I had, you know, seeing, especially them against Riva, and Obi-Wan and how much they did love Luke and how much they did protect him. And uh, as much as they could, it like, I, I, there was a little bit more sadness on my end from seeing them kind of go because it, you think about the grit, you know, that how they went against a lightsaber wielding uh, for in force powered, um, you know, Sith inquisitor essentially uh, to protect Luke. And it, that, that part made me sad. And it was weird because too, I never really thought about this. The last interaction that he had with his aunt Peru and uncle Owen was the dinner table where he, where Owen told him that he'd have to spend, uh, you know, another season uh, and whatnot. And it, it was, it kind of was like Spider-Man uncle Benish to me, but yeah. it's it like, Oh God, you said that last season walks. It looks like I'm going nowhere and walks away. And that's, that's the last yeah. time he gets to talk to him. Um, so there was that, uh, you know, the Imperial Senate being shut down. I thought that was a cool little thing that we may see in the Andor series, because it's supposedly really close. Uh, I don't know the exact time frame, but I'm guessing it's pretty close to, um, 
to to a new hope uh if it, if it's kind of, if it's pre rogue one and setting up andor i'm guessing that you know turning out you know just shutting down the imperial senate which is uh you know a, a pretty cool thing kind of a, a real power move <laughs> so, oh for sure it, like, yeah, be, we're just not doing this anymore it's yeah done. literally yeah. 20 years after the takeover they they shut it down and they get they 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 shut down the the, the systems uh the various systems representation um yeah. and it's kind of cool that they did it that way, that they kept the center on for that long. And um, yeah, just a whole, whole power switch. But uh, you know, other than that, I, I, like I said, it just, it went well. I do appreciate the Vader Obi-Wan fight more. Um, you know, this third time they fought the well, technically fourth time uh, lightsaber battle between the two of them. And Obi-Wan's just tired. Uh, yeah. You could tell. And and that was another thing too. Uh, well, Vader kept referencing Obi Wan's powers in the last fight. Your strength has returned, but the weakness remains. And, and comments like that. Uh, and then, oh, you know, Obi Wan was just, you know, he was just old at that point. His physical well, even, form was a it was a disservice. Yeah, well, like, even in A New Hope, just when this one, um, you know, they're like, well, we should make sure we get him before he escapes. And Vader says, I'm, that's not his plan. So yeah. he already knows why that he's going to die there. Like he comes there with the purpose of that being his last thing he does. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was pretty neat. Um, the sacrifice scene was like, at first it's weird forever. It's like so weird. Cause there's always that. What if, what if Obi-Wan did survive, um, you know, the, the that fight, that last fight, right. What if we did make it out alive? It could teach yeah. Luke and train Luke. Um, but he felt he was more powerful. I, I guess, it, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those Jedi things or, or some people feel like, uh, you know, they can become more powerful in the afterlife. And for Jedi, that's certainly possible. His his mortal form was was pretty weak. He said he was getting too old for this sort of thing. I could be more he could be more of a service to Luke um as a uh as a as a force ghost um yeah. and, and guide him a little bit more. Uh so that's that that's the sacrifice meant more to me. Um, I think, and he also, it, it, on top of giving those, you know, Luke and Leia and Chewie and all them a chance to escape on the Falcon. And I always, th- and I always just assume now after seeing every Star Wars movie that there is, that's out that Obi-Wan in a new hope, um, he didn't actually die there. That was just a projection of him. And he's like on some other planet. And he <laughs> <died there instead. laughs> he's still on Tatooine. Those dumbasses. <laughs> um, yeah, there was there was another little line too that I picked up that I picked up on this this time. It's right when Obi Wan's about to leave. They just took over that little security like bunker. Um, they all moved in, and and Luke tried to go with Obi Wan to shut down the tractor beam, and he goes, "My my path is much different than yours." Like he knew. Um, that felt like that had a deeper meaning too. That Luke's Luke's future, you know, that Luke had a much bigger future, and this is Obi Wan's time to go. Uh, like he knew it the whole, like basically like what you said, he, he kind of knew it the whole time. So it was just these little, these little fun details. I don't know, again, if it's me overthinking or not, but I, ever since I started watching Star Wars with a little bit more analytical tone to it, I, I pick up on all these, these nods and I, maybe they were planned, maybe they weren't, but um, there's a lot the one, of dot connecting. Uh, question I have real quick is how long do you think the trip on the Falcon was? Uh, to where they get to because technically that's all the Jedi training that Luke gets from Obi-Wan. <laughs> it's just in that 
in that quote unquote car ride, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that we actually see. We never know these things. That's what I what drives me nuts about Star Wars movies sometimes. We don't we don't know the time frame like uh, of a yeah. lot of things. Did this take a you know a couple days? I mean, obviously Yoda later in the later movies really trains him. Um, but also what was really funny to me too is in the prequels, they make a big deal about uh, Anakin's age when he's a boy. And like Luke is obviously already at the very least in his twenties. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, hey, Yoda didn't want to train him either. That, it, that's true. Yeah. It, you know, we got to think about that. Yoda's like, oh, he's he kept making excuses. He's too old and, and this and yeah. that. And man, uh, I can't wait to watch those movies. I'm so oh, excited. Me too. After watching this, man, I, I'm pumped. Um, I really am. But uh, this is another thing too. I, I Johnny, I brought this up on panel discussion. Uh, about the original the the obi-wan disney plus show i know we're gonna keep i'm gonna keep referencing it but um that show had a lot of like this style of pacing which i liked which which i think i liked, which might have been a turnoff for some people right um the prequel trilogy heavy action this one the obi-wan show was story driven um a lot more story driven with with where, where the action meant a whole lot more when it happened and i i i I could appreciate them more watching a new hope again. And, and I, I did, I did have to point that out um, as much as I love all the lightsaber battles and gunfights and starship battles and stuff being frequently uh, the pacing was, uh, I, I like the pacing. I appreciated the firefights when, when they showed up because it was so story driven. Yeah, it was definitely like in star Wars lore. This is probably one of the slower of the films. Oh, for um, sure. And uh, but if you go back and just really watch it, man, just think about again, think about 1977. If you're seeing this for the first time, this probably feels like this is just wall to wall action happening back then. Right. Because we it's not like we have movies coming out all the time in, in the 70s that are just action after right? like big set piece after big set piece, you know. Uh, but this one, man, what a what a game changer. Um, Seriously. Yeah, uh, but whenever you're done, Matt, I wanted to bring one last thing up. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, that's all the notes. I, I just wanted to tie in some of those loose ends, those little those little bits and tricks that I noticed. What do you got? The, la- the last thing I wanted to talk about that really stood out to me, and I don't know why I ever, I mean, I, I was always aware of it, but it wasn't like I really cared or paid attention, but it was just different this time for me, was the the friendship or bromance whatever you want to call it or droid mance really between 3po and r2 um <laughs> just it was just their little quips going back and forth with each other i mean obviously you can't un- understand r2 but the little quips that they have their discussions and stuff they really were a lot more fun for me this time i don't know why but they just were uh i yeah. appreciated them more um i even laughed a couple times it's 3po like when he goes I don't think he, no, I don't think he likes you. I don't like you much either. <laughs> like just little stupid stuff like that. But then he turns around. He's like, you got to save him. You got to save him. Uh, and it's obvious they care for each other and they're droids. Uh, like that just really stood out to me this time. Like, man, um, I really have a newfound. I mean, I always liked as a kid, obviously I always liked those characters, but uh, they were never my favorite or anything no, yeah. like that. But they really stood out in a very positive manner for me in a new hope. I agree. I agree um yeah, it is it is a fun point because i used to dread watching a new hope because of the tattooing stuff when they land and walk i'm like oh my god this takes forever and then i watched it yesterday it really wasn't that bad i don't know why i thought it was like 30 minutes of them walking in the desert and the whole jaw was seen i don't know why but it wasn't that bad 
Um, so let's give our reviews, our final, uh, our scores, of course. Johnny, what are you going to give a new hope? It's not a 10, right? Yeah. Oh, man. This one might be the toughest one for me to review just because I know everything that comes after it. And I have such a, a love and appreciation for this one because it's the one that started it all. It's the the classic. And like Brian kind of brought up, it really, in a way, sort of just like Nintendo saved video games. Uh, this may have been one of the reasons that sci-fi really took off again. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of things that this movie is responsible for. Um, man, I love this movie. I don't think it's it's not my favorite Star Wars movie, but it's up there. Man, it's definitely up there. Uh, I'm going to give this. For me, this is easily. If I give it below an eight, I'd hate myself. So I'm going to give this uh, an eight and a half. Uh, the point five I'm adding to it for being the very first one, and just all that they were able to accomplish with this movie and nobody even believing in it. And we didn't even talk about the John Williams score. You know, no, we didn't even bring oh that up. God. And that's such a heavy component of this. Uh, and what a game changer that score even was. Uh, so uh, eight and a half, and I could easily be talked up to a nine. Well, we're definitely, we're, there's going to become a point where we're, we're going to do a John Williams episode. Like, I think we have to, at some oh, point yeah. to talk about his music, but um it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah. I'm giving it an eight and a half. I can easily be talked up to a nine. Brian, what do you think? I'm I'm smack dab at a nine if it's only the original cut. The one that you watch on Disney Plus right now isn't even higher than a seven. It's it's that distracting and and just too many faux pas cre- created out of greed and ego from George Lucas. So if you take his original 1977 theatrical release it's almost a perfect movie so it's a nine out of ten okay but then every time you add in another jawa getting dragged by another weirdo monster or <laughs> every time i watch J- uh, stupid jabba's face when his tail gets stepped on you lose you lose <laughs> points fair enough i'm gonna go has been aired <laughs> the grievous has been aired it is um i'm gonna go I think I'm I'm with Johnny. I'm gonna put an eight and a half. I really screwed myself up. I think some of the scores I gave were might have been too high and it set the bar too high. So this is right around I think I gave episode two an eight or an eight and a half. And this could be held in higher. I might I'll give it a nine. I'll give it a nine. I it's I love episode two, but I, I don't know if I could put this classic right next to it on the same level. Um it's it's good. It's it's vintage Hollywood. You know, this is this is when before say, all when, the crazy site. What's up? When you say episode two, which movie are you referring to? Uh, Texas Clones. Yeah, I did. I, uh, they're not even the same league. I, I know for you, they're not <laughs> for me. Uh, they're not even close to like, man, that's that's almost a, it's almost an insult. <laughs> Where I think Attack of the Clones, the action is gives it. For me, it's a higher score because there is I, so much that happens. Yeah, I will, Episode say, I will four say is, is brought up by by story. I will say though, 
Um, somebody brought up, it was just some random question that people ask on social media. Somebody was like, what's a movie that actually started out really awful, but ends awesome. And I would say episode two is one of those for me. Like I, like that ending of that movie is awesome. You get the, some great fights. Yeah. Some really cool scenes, but the whole like first hour, 20, 30 minutes is just plum awful to me. <laughs> so- Someday, 10 years from now, we're going to re-review episode two <laughs> and we're going to see if your opinion has changed for better or for worse. All right. Uh, <laughs> The other thing I have with us doing our our grading out of tens is grading it against other Star Wars properties is probably one thing we should do, and then grading it against cinema in general is a whole nother thing. So for me, the original release of Star Wars, 1977, you're in a theater, you are seeing a damn near perfect movie. Yeah. yeah. Maybe even 10 out of 10 compared to like what else is going on. But then when you compare it to the rest of Star Wars films and other Star Wars films get compared to this one, that's where I think our grades can be like completely wonky. Cause like I, I wouldn't go over five for episode two, you know what I mean? But I would go easily an eight or a nine out of 10 for this one. Right. Yeah. I see what you're saying because I think my scores were different too. I've, just been comparing it to the Star Wars stuff when I've been giving my out of tens. Yeah. When it comes to like just in cinema, uh, I'm with you. This is up there. I mean, this is like on like on par with Jaws and Jurassic Park. And these are movies that I yes. feel are the ultimate perfect cinema experiences. So yeah. Especially when we once again I want to give credit to George Lucas's wife had a big hand in the story writing of this movie. And you can feel her touch, her influence in the movie. And then you feel it slowly leave his soul. (laughs) George Lucas slowly starts dying inside after him and his wife split. Oh, man, that's just so this is just like a really Star Wars is like just a sad testament in his life. (laughs) All he cared about was money, and that's all he ever got. love. All the soul was ripped out. Oh, I'm going to cry, Brian. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So pretty fa- very favorable reviews. Um, really, really good reviews for episode four, A New Hope. Uh, did we have a fantasy matchup for this week? Uh, yes. Let me find. I got it in my notes. Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So it really bothered me that Chewbacca didn't really get the re- recognition he deserves. So we're going to have him in the in the battle this week, and he's going to take on Sasquatch. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so we got Chewbacca taking on Bigfoot himself, the legend of the cryptids, Bigfoot. Um, so Chewbacca versus Sasquatch. Who you got? Mm. I think this is pretty even. I'm also going to say no weapons. It's just no weapons, just hand to hand combat. Hand to hand, yeah. See. You never really hear about Sasquatch attacks, so I'm going to start off with that. You may hear about maybe, maybe uh, you know, Johnny, I know you went on that one uh, camping trip or something, and Sasquatch was bothered, he was touching, he was moving around outside. That wasn't me, that was, that was Carter. But That was Carter. <laughs> I, will, I will say, obviously, I'm a big cryptid nerd. I love this stuff, and uh, there have been plenty of instances of people who claim that um bigfoots can be really uh, I, i'm acting like they're obviously for real 100 <laughs> for real uh but like they can uh, be very aggressive yeah see where i feel like a chewbacca like a wookie 
like they'll rip people's arms out over losing a game where where, where Sasquatch wants to be left alone in some cases. He is a loner. Yeah. He's a loner where Wookiees just, they'll rip your arms out. I don't know. I think think this might be back-to-back months where we have a positive Star Wars thing. I just feel like Chewbacca and the the Wookiee race is that much more vicious. I might have to agree with you. I almost was going to put Harry from Harry and the Hendersons in here for this, <laughs> but I didn't do that because that's I love Harry from Harry and the Hendersons, and he was just too much of a kind soul to be killed by Chewbacca, so I just couldn't do it. So I just went Bigfoots in general, but I'm going to agree with you. I think the definitely from a fighting experience standpoint, too, Chewbacca has been a way more scuffles, you would think, than a... Uh, then a Sasquatch, yeah. so I'm uh, you know, he's definitely been a more life or death situations. Uh, I mean, Sasquatch is obviously a survivor, you know, he's living out in the woods and he's getting by trying not to avoiding the media, which is pretty impressive. Uh, so I'm gonna give the edge to Chewbacca myself. Yeah. What, what do you think, Brian? Yeah, I, I mean, as far as just strengths go, Chewbacca probably would rip a Sasquatch apart. But if you go into the cryptid lore of a Sasquatch, there are many that believe that they are interdimensional beings. Yes. So a, a creature that's able to interdimensional, you know, teleport, yeah. um, maybe tricky to catch and actually fight. So maybe maybe uh, most scenarios, let's say Chewbacca wins hands down. But if Sasquatch can get him into a, a, some sort of weird interdimension where he's Wookies are I don't even know what they're scared of but they gotta be scared of something but get a Wookiee out there scared of something distract them with something else in the in their dimension I don't know <laughs> well and the, and the Sasquatch is famously really knows how to hide in his environment mm-hmm. uh, so if you can get Chewbacca in his environment maybe he has a chance maybe but, yeah maybe. yeah I don't but, know but, listen but, I, but, I watched Chewbacca survive a uh, uh, a foe uh, spaceship explosion that Ray caused with, yeah. with hand lightning, and that apparently never happened. <laughs> he didn't see that. So, has, has a Sasquatch ever done that? No, probably not. No, no, no. not that I know in of. Fact, uh, if you go looking for Sasquatch violence stories, you won't find too much, but you find many a sexy story involving a Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> Squatch sex. <laughs> When you got some weird fantasies, man. We, yes, yes, they do. Which I'm um, grateful for. <laughs> I'm grateful. Really um, Help me out. <laughs> but all right, I think we got another win for uh, for a Star Wars character. Chewbacca is the guy. Um, we'll have to meet and discuss for next month. Unless Johnny had any other ideas. Uh, no, no. Uh, we'll we'll have something good though. I'm sure. Uh, Always. But Always. I'm very excited to talk Empire next time, guys. Yeah. That's the one that most people consider the best of all the Star Wars, so I can't wait to rewatch it and see if I uh, agree with that or not. Um, I do am excited to talk about how Empire really is taking chances because it kind of ends on an obviously a, a loss yeah. <laughs> for the good guys. That's really taking a chance uh, with your movie, so uh, very excited to talk about it next time. And Andor. Oh, and Andor, yeah. Yes, yeah, we should have uh, some Andor stuff for that, so that'll be good. <laughs> um but all right uh johnny you want to close this out no but i'll do it anyway uh for brian (laughs) and matt i'm johnny uh thank you for listening to the airing of grievances and of course may the force be with you squatch sex
honored if you would join us.